All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to LifeBridge. Glad you're here joining us today. Man, just like first service, you guys are chatty. That's all good. Make your way in, grab a seat. If you're heading out, you can stay, you can go, your call. If you want to go through service again, more than welcome to. All right. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Uh, part of the reason that we gather here on Sunday mornings is simply to worship God together. Uh, in community, with one another. Scripture tells us not to give up meeting together and how important that is for us to worship in community with one another in our church family. So welcome. Thank you for joining us here. My Life Bridge, if you guys want to stay up to date with what's happening here at church, My Life Bridge is the, bleh, my life bridge is the place to do that. Um, I'm going to highlight signing up for email and text updates because of what I'm going to talk about in a, two slides. Missed that first service in two slides. Uh, sign up for text and email updates as things change. We can communicate with you so that you know what's happening and what is going on. MyLifeBridge.Church is the place to do that. <clears throat> All right. Thank you for your giving. Thanks for supporting our mission. You can give online through our website at lifebridge.church, or you can give on Venmo or in the giving boxes at the front or back of the hallway. Those black boxes uh, on the wall, uh, you can give in those as well. We're called to be generous, so thank you for your generosity. Uh, we as individuals are called to be generous, and we think that we as a church are called to be generous as well. And so we try to model that by being generous with our local and global partners. You can find those up on the wall out in the lobby. So uh, we try to be generous as a church. We would also encourage you to be generous individually as well, as Steve talked about last week. Okay, here's why you need to sign up for text and email updates. Park Church. All right, Park Church next week. We won't be in the building here unless it's raining. So if it's raining, we will send out text and email updates and meet here. Okay, so sign up for text and email updates. Really important. Um, you can also sign up in the email to help with food. The church will cover kind of the, the main course, if you will. Um, and then we're going to ask you guys to just bring some dish to pass or something like that. We're bringing back the church potluck, and we're going to rock it. It's going to be great. But on the menu for next week is breakfast tacos. So after church, we're going to have some breakfast tacos. Who likes breakfast tacos? Benji, you like breakfast tacos, buddy? Yeah, you do. Man, that guy's fly. Look at those glasses. All right. So for Park Church, bring your lawn chair. Bring a dish to pass if you want. You can sign up for it on, on the email or talk to Jamie. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. We're meeting uh, June 19th through July 10th outside, and we only have one service at 10 a.m. Okay, one service at 10 a.m. because we're outside and we're all going to be together. We're going to have lunch after that. And it is at a different park. Okay, different park. Wem Hof Yucker or Jucker. I've heard it both ways. I don't care. You can see what it says up there, and you, let me show you where it is. Last week, I walked up here, and I was like, I actually don't even know how to explain where this place is. There aren't, like, reference points right next to it. So I'm throwing a map up here, and I'm going to show you how to get there from here. So this is uh, me just kind of using this cool technology and being super techie millennial guy. Uh, but, okay, here's church. You guys see church right there? Okay, this is, oh, so good. Okay, so then <laughs> to get to the park from, oh, here's the park. I'm just going to do this. Whoop. See it? 
Okay, not far from here, just giving you reference points. There's a couple ways you can get there. Okay, red line, where you can go this way. Whoop. Ha, amazing, right? Uh, blue line, you can take this route. This is like a train map, okay? You can go this way as well. Or, option number three, you can go this way and turn on Congress Street, and there's a little parking lot right here, and there's a bridge that you can walk over to the park. Oh, man, this looks like my kid's artwork. I'm like, oh, it's a horse. Good job. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so that's where it is. Oh, oh, parking. So there's parking here. There's a tiny little parking lot right here-ish. Or you can park along the street here or here. All right? Bring a lawn chair. Come have Park Church with us. It'll be lots of fun. So that's where it is. Or you can just Google it. Google's pretty cool, too. Okay. Uh, today we are wrapping up our Pursuit Conference. Uh, so thank you to those of you who joined us. We hope it was a, a week of growth uh, in pursuing Christ and knowing more about him and learning to worship him more and love one another more. Um, this is the last Sunday of our Pursuit Conference, and we have Sarah Schnacki here to speak with us. Uh, Sarah has a background in family and uh, marriage counseling, and so we thought Sarah would be great to come and talk to us about what healthy personal growth in a self-absorbed world looks like. So would you guys join with me, and let's pray for Sarah before she begins. Lord, would you just guide our time, help us to honor you in the way that we approach your word, and God, and how we learn how we look into our own heart, into our own life, to love you more and to love others more. In Jesus' name, amen. That's fine. We'll, we'll wear it for pretensies. Okay. I know a gal in her late 20s. I know her as her therapist. Um, and I was seeing her for a little bit over a year. And when I'd ask her about the various things going on in her life, especially towards the beginning of our time together, I would often get the answer, I don't know. Or the nonverbal uh, equivalent. Mm. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I'm not going to get very far with this. Um, but then, you know, maybe a session, maybe two in, I did start to recognize that those I don't knows were helpful. So I asked her, how would you know if you felt happy? What would that be like? I don't know. Can you describe sad to me? I don't know. And I actually guessed that's what was going to happen. Her I don't knows were signaling to me that she was stuck somewhere. 
unable to even begin to sort through her thoughts and emotions. Part of this was her current circumstances, um, and understandably so. She was in an emotionally abusive relationship. She was um, really strapped. Oh, there you go. Wow. Strapped financially. Um, didn't know how to get a leg up. You know, thought she knew what she was pursuing, had no idea on how to get there. Um, a recurring depression. Part of, part of this, I don't know, was also because of her past. A lot of things went on in her childhood. And part of this was because no one else was asking. So I asked, what do you like to do? Maybe we'll start there. Draw, skateboard, fingerboard, which I didn't know what was until she taught me. Um, and play with her cat, she told me. And man, she'd light up when we talked about that cat. But I stuck with the drawing. I said, okay, let's draw. Let's draw right now. I was terrible. She was really good. And she drew a hummingbird. Hmm, what made you choose a hummingbird? It reminded me of my mom. And now I was getting somewhere. I call this work pulling weeds. Sifting through and identifying the things that are hindering our growth. Clearing soil to find what's maybe there that's already healthy. Or what just needs to be cleared out for new seeds to be planted. It's like the Holy Spirit is clearing the ground to assure that the gospel can even be understood in that space. That we can better see, hear, and feel the gospel. I've noticed through you guys' online devotional time that some of you might even be doing some of that work, doing the weed pulling, looking at your childhood, um, and I think that that's really great. I believe that even in the midst of trying to do that work, you know, this self-growth work you guys have been talking about, we really are longing to follow Christ more, to be a more active pursuit of him, but we get stuck somewhere stuck knowing how to do that. You might be looking at your life and knowing your coping mechanisms and, and knowing you've turned to things that aren't healthy and you've identified now things in your childhood, um, but we're still stuck to know how to let God into that or how to keep moving forward with all of that information. We're stuck in the weeds. Perhaps if we can actually get to that core thing that's going on then, we can get somewhere. Because what's the key to pulling weeds? You guys tell me. What's the key? Get to the root. The client's root, at least one of them, was her mom. And pulling weeds started by looking like drawing. So I have a, a couple weeds we're going to look at. And I can't get to the root of everyone's weeds here, obviously. And, and I may be going too far with the word weeds, so I'll try to stop. But um, I'll guide us in that direction and then where to go with it. So let's start with a biggie. One that gets so intertwined into many of us, if not all of us at times. One that even dates back to the garden. Self-reliance. The idea that 
I have a solution or I can problem solve enough myself to solve the issue away. Dependence on the self and trust in the self, as the dictionary would tell us. The belief of, I've got this. Let's go to the garden first, Genesis 3, 1 through 6, and look how this plays out for the very first time. The serpent was one of the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from the, any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. It's that question of trust and faith in God and his wisdom and how he's laid out the garden versus trust and faith in our own wisdom or how beautiful that wisdom might appear. That's the first time it happened. Let's listen how this shows up in our own lives now because while these concepts might not come as a surprise, I think it may be that it lands in the realm of self-reliance. The world of self-help, I mean, the title is self-help. The need to do this thing or that thing to feel or remove stress sometimes can be just us self-relying to get stress away. Going to counseling, and I'm saying that as a counselor, in an attempt to hunker down and figure this out, at some line might be self-reliance. And on the flip side, to think you don't need the help and you don't go to counseling because there are worse problems in the world. Your idols John, I know, mentioned this in his sermon on finding fulfillment in Christ. The belief in someone or something else as going to fulfill you, some ty- or fulfill a need or a hole in your life. Broken down, that's really just us problem solving our own issue away. To find an antidote ourselves to a belief that runs deeper. I had another client who was coming face-to-face with some of her idols through the course of her transition back into Wisconsin. She was questioning what she was doing with her life, unsure of why she came back, even though coming back, she felt like was a call to God to put down roots. That was a phrase that she felt she heard divinely. And she crafted this image that putting down roots meant finding this particular job I would love, finding the man in my dreams that I would love. That was the picture of putting down roots. So why wasn't it happening if she was called to it? The frustration that that must bring. And she was striving to feel settled, was a word she used a lot. And when she came to a pause and talking about this and that and all the things going on and all the things that she was trying, I just said, huh, I just get an image like this 
Like, this is what I'm doing, scrounging for things. She said, ah, yes, that's what it feels like. And I said, that feels exhausting to me just thinking about it. And she started to cry, and she said, it is exhausting. She was striving after something that settled, being rooted by doing the exact opposite. This doesn't look or feel settling, right? Now, I could ask you, what are you relying on? That's the general question that we can get, right? But that's really just a start by identifying it, identifying that weed, and that's a good start. So the real question from my standpoint as a counselor is, why? And because I don't ask people why questions, that's a trick of the trade, by the way, that you can adopt for yourself. I don't ask why questions. The question would be like this. What makes it hard to trust God? Where did you learn that you needed to be the one that figured it all out? To be the strong one? To be the responsible one? What makes you think God doesn't care about your problems? What are you thinking a husband or having that job or reaching this milestone is going to bring you? What are you afraid of? The issue with self-reliance is it can feel like we're getting to the bottom of something when we're really not. And the more we try to get to the bottom of it, the further the bottom appears to be, right? The same if you want to choose to go up the ladder. The more that we're attempting to reach this calm or this balance or this contentment, this peace, by continuously thinking we need to do more or get to this next thing, we're actually moving away from that contentment, that peace, without even knowing And we're now not even able to sift through what's a weed and what's a healthy place, what's the healthy routine, what's the healthy approach to self-care. Where is my pursuit even going? Because we're all mixed up now. And instead, we're now experiencing that anxiety, that depression, that perpetual cycle going on and on. That's not to say that you fully create those things. Some of it, again, is just handed to you. And like Eve, who I genuinely believe at that time, um, was wanting to do what God had initially said, right? We're wanting to pursue God. She's, She's negotiating there with the serpent, thinking it through, but ultimately relies on her own desire for the wisdom because it looked beautiful instead of trusting God. So what happens from that sometimes? Well, not sometimes. What happens from that in Genesis 3, 7 through 8? At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord among the trees. And that leads me to another area, a pit really that I call it, that we can fall into, self-loathing. I call this a pit because this can be some of the darkest areas for people, some of the darkest seasons. 
And I'm even closing my eyes because in my experience, that's what it feels like. Just this darkness that you so desperately want to get out of, yet you stay in it because it's also become comfortable. Shame on steroids. Not just shame from a behavior or a wrongdoing, which to a certain level can even be adaptive, um, a positive way to bring us back to God, but shame because of who you perceive yourself to be. Shame that hasn't been brought into the light, that has now slipped into a really deep-seated belief in the self that's not a good one. This kind of weed ensnares us, and I'm really serious about that word, because none of us plan to get there. We all of a sudden end up there. At the root, again, what we're searching for is sometimes a trauma in our past or from a recent situation. Sometimes it's an unhealthy relational dynamic or an experience of a lot of stress, or I've also seen this in the experience of a sudden loss. I've even felt this self in a time of postpartum when a lot of different things are going on. We end up here. And the challenge here in a negative thinking cycle that it creates is that it gets us stuck in where it encroaches on our relationships and then it makes us retreat even further into ourselves and again in a perpetual cycle that we remain in isolation, And we become blinded by this, this spiral. We become blinded in the darkness. And perhaps not even just blinded, but we end up in an alternate reality that we truly believe is true. Truly believe it's true. And if self-loathing has stemmed from some type of trauma, Kurt Thompson, a Christian psychologist and neurobiologist, would say that not only has this event happened to you, and, and hear me right, I'm saying happened to you, but it has left you powerless to do anything about it because the shame has distorted reality due to the lens you were left to now view life through. This one, you can't actually navigate on your own. So there goes then the self-reliance. You can't actually do that. Thompson would agree we need an outside brain to help us re-see and refine the reality. Let's get back in the garden then. 3.9, Genesis 3.9. Adam and Eve are hiding. Then the Lord God called to man, where are you? God didn't need to ask that question, we know that. But what did he want? He wanted man to come to him. He wanted relationship. Despite the biggest transgression in our shared history that was just made, God offers us a place to no longer experience the shame, to quickly bring it out to the light as to not fester inside us and make it that self-loathing. And to gently clothe us anew, he does later in verse 21. Okay, so let's, 
let's frame this up for you a little bit because as a counselor, and but what we all really as a community can do for one another is to um, reframe and make sure that the number one thing that we leave people with is hope. The power of the reframe, shifting our perspective to see in a different way. Another trick of the trade, by the way, reframing. So while we're stuck in these various weeds of self-reliance, which you might be, you might be starting to pull some of them out, but that, but that we might not get to the full root here. While we're stuck in doing that, and we're stuck in the self-loathing, God is not stuck by them. God is not stuck. He is not questioning what to do. He is not avoiding you. He is not thinking this place is too overrun. In fact, he is here. He is ready to tend to his creation and watch it grow and flourish, ready for us to come out of the bush, ready for relationship, ready to dress us anew. You see, this, the Bible isn't about you. It's about him and the plan he had all along from that garden. The best reframe I can ever give you is God is not stuck. He was back in the garden asking, where are you? So what if, what if pursuit of God then, which again, I genuinely believe we're all going after, even if we do have these weeds and these different things going on. What if pursuit of God with fervor is actually sitting like this? Stop the scrounging, which is exhausting. And doesn't this seem a little bit more peaceful? We have to meet with our maker. Come out of the bush, come out of the weeds, or even just sit in the weeds. Sit in the weeds if we got to. None of us have clear soil. Sit in the weeds and look up. And know that when you know nothing else to do, he is not stuck. We got to stop the scrounging and simply turn as if someone just asked us, where are you? And you say, here I am. Here I am. That's all you have to say. Now that sounds simple, right? And that's what we can get sometimes from messages like this. That sounds really simple. Okay, how do I say I am, not ready? Because we've got a lot of pain. And we might have so much anger. And again, we've been stuck for a long time perhaps. Could we give the permission and the honor to another person to sit with us? to bring all of that to the light. That's the invite because things like shame, self-loathing, the self-reliance, the resentment, a buildup of anger towards another, including God, can't live in the light. So can you invite and actually give them the honor to sit with you and perhaps they're the ones sitting with their hands and their faces up when you can't right now. 
Because that's the beautiful thing. God gave us each other. God gave us one another. And he gave us a particular person that if you're a believer, our story is shared with. Jesus. Colossians 3.3 tells us, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden there. The identity of who we are, our story, is intrinsically linked to shared stories as we interact with one another, whether you recognize it or not. So to find ourselves is to look at other stories going on. And the biggest link we have happened way before we were born on that cross in the story of Jesus Christ. And so healthy personal growth, what we've been talking about in this series, then is coming to this Bible and not looking at it to tell it about you, because again, it's not about you, but let it tell you about God. Colossians 3.10 then says, put on your new nature, which was given to you on the cross. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Come in contact with your maker. Because the shared story even before Jesus then is again back in Genesis when he made us in the image of him. The one pursuit that actually will fully unstick us is the pursuit that he did and is doing. Remember, we were dressed anew before we were even born on that cross, but we're also here and get to continue the journey of learning how to take on that old self, take off that old self and put on a new, all while God remains to be faithful in his pursuit of us, continuing to come to the garden, asking us for relationship, asking us to come out of the bushes, out of the weeds, because he's got that. He's not stuck by it. And you will find more and more by looking at him and who he is. I'm going to pray. And I know that after I pray, the band is going to um, come up. And one of the songs that they're going to play is called Do It Again. And I, I asked for this song because in a midst of one of my times of darkness, this song meant a lot. I went to a worship night and this song was played and I came into contact with my maker and he told me about himself. That's what's also, we're lucky about that with God that even though we don't know what to do, he does know what to do with us to have us here if we're willing to listen. And so a practical thing to give you today Rather than just looking here and, and find God here, use worship music. 
and mindfully listen to the words that are being said. Don't just let it play. Mindfully listen and listen to what it's telling you about God and his nature. Don't find yourself in it. Find him in it. And this one's going to be about his faithfulness. So I encourage you to use this time to do just that and do that practical thing. Lord, you asked me to keep it simple today. And I just pray over any hurt going on, any, any continued anger going on in this room. Um, I pray that even us talking about weeds and recognizing that, gosh, yeah, I do that. Oh, no, I do this. And, and as we've started to do the work of getting to the root of things and exploring things, um, that we recognize you don't invite us to stay in the shame and stay in the hurt, but you invite us to bring it to light because it can't live there. And I pray for just courage on us to do just that. And I pray that we would be a community that recognizes that the person sitting behind you or in front of you or maybe up here is willing to do that with you. May we have the courage to just stand or invite someone else to stand with us with our heads up and our hands open instead of scrounging to figure it out. We thank you for all you're doing. We thank you that the one pursuit we need to really look at is your pursuit of us. And may we then end up learning more about ourselves and end up doing healthy growth because we're looking at you. We love you, God. We thank you. And just help us to come in contact with our maker. We're here. We're saying, here I am. We're going to take communion together in just a moment. But ever since... Sarah read this morning out of Genesis 3. And the picture of the Garden of Eden has been running in my imagination. So I want to invite you to get that picture in your head as well. So would you just close your eyes for just a moment. And just imagine the beauty of that scene of God walking in the cool of the evening. God's presence is available. And whether or not we know it, that's what we really need in life, is just God's presence with us. And Adam and Eve, put yourself in their place. Hiding. in fear and shame because of their self-reliance, trying to take matters into their own hands. When God is calling out to them, he's not just available, he's calling to them. Where are you? And it is our, our shame, our self-reliance, 
that keeps us from running to him and bringing our sin into the light where he can heal us. When we take communion in just a moment, we're remembering what Jesus has done to remove our guilt, to take away our sin, so that we can experience the presence of God, so that we can be with God and we can know him. In Christ, in his work on the cross, we are made righteous so that we can be in the presence of God and we can run to him. We can bring our sin into the light where he does away with it on the cross. It no longer impedes our relationship with God. And it's nothing that we do. It is solely Christ's work. It is faith in Christ that makes us whole, that heals us, that cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness so that we can be in the presence of God. The communion elements are in the back, on the back table. I'll head back there first. Front rows, if you guys follow me. When the row in front of you finishes, follow them into the back and take one of the cups. The cups are stacked, the bread is on the bottom, and the juice is on the top. Hold on to them at your seat, and we'll pray and partake together. But I invite you, as we're holding on to those, and as we're singing, just reflect on that image of, of how your shame, the weeds of your life, seem to hold you back from bringing your sin to the light so that God can heal you, that God is there. He desires presence with you. He has pursued you in Christ, coming to the cross to die for you. Would you pray with me for the bread first? Lord, Jesus, we thank you for pursuing us, that you, second person of the Trinity, would be made flesh, that you would come to reveal to us who God is, and Lord, that you would not just teach us the way, but you would make a way for us to be with God that you have taken our sin upon yourself when you died on that cross. Jesus, you experienced suffering. You've experienced pain like we have. You've been abandoned. And yet you are sinless. So Lord, when we pray and we cry out to you, you know. You know our pain, Lord. You know our suffering. And we thank you for going through that for us. That we can be with God. And our sin can be removed. 
So we remember you, Lord, as we partake together. Let's partake of the bread. Would you pray with me for the cup as well? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for the love that you have for us that is demonstrated on that cross. And that, Lord, because of our sin, Lord, because of our desire for, to pursue our own selfishness, to seek our own ways, We have been estranged from you. But Lord, because of your work on the cross, because you have taken our sin upon yourself and died on that cross to save us, we can be justified, made right before God. And so Lord, we don't have to fear, we don't have to cower in shame behind a bush, but we can run to you as our loving Father because Jesus, you have made a way for us and you have cleansed us from our unrighteousness through your blood. So Lord, we thank you. We remember your sacrifice, that it is not in our own righteousness, in our own work, that we are made right before you, God, but it is only through faith in Christ that we can be in your presence. Let's partake of the cup together. Would you pray with me one more time before we close? Lord, Father God, I just pray your blessing over everybody here. God, we would focus on your pursuit of us. As we read scripture, we would read it knowing that it is about you, God. It isn't a self-help book but in focusing our attention on you and your pursuit of us, Lord, we find our peace and fulfillment. That Jesus, when we come to you with our heavy burdens, you give us rest. Living in our own righteousness is a heavy burden. We thank you, Jesus, for the rest that you give us when we put our faith and trust in you and we surrender to your will, God, and leave outcomes to you. So, Lord, I pray for peace over all of us here and rest as we rest in you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you guys need prayer, please, Michael and Kathleen would love to pray with you. Now, thanks for being, being here. Go in peace in the rest that Christ has brought us.